Have you ever heard of house hacking? That's what people are calling some old school techniques being used to lower your mortgage payment so that you can afford a home. Let's see if this type of purchase can work for you. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the How to Buy a Home podcast. I'm your host, David Sidoni, and today we're going to hit yet another topic with all the renters out there. A lot of you folks out there hit me up saying, hey, my rent sucks and my landlord sucks. Why don't I buy a place, live in my part of it, and then I become the landlord? Well, let's find out today if this is a good idea for you. On paper, for some folks, this looks like a killer idea. And I get that. But I want to tell you, if you're looking for a shortcut to becoming a homeowner, well, if it was that easy and it was that simple and the numbers just worked out perfect, then everybody would be doing it. Don't bum out. All right. Just because I dropped a truth bomb right at the beginning doesn't mean that it's a bad idea for you. This could still be a great idea for you. There's a multitude of different ways that you can do it. And the term house hacking is new. But all these tactics people have been using for years. So there's a lot of data out there and there's a lot of different ways you can do it. What I'm going to do today is cover two of the most commonly used ways that buyers become hackers. The reason people do that is because they're looking to build wealth when buying their very first piece of property, something I can totally get behind. The two big ways are buying a home and then being able to rent out part of the living space in your home or buying a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex, you know, what we call a multi-unit home, living in one unit and then renting out the others. Okay, but first, before I get into those two, before I go any further, I have to dispel an idea that many house hackers and new investors ask me about when it comes to buying their first home. Lots of times I end up getting a call from some super excited first-time home buyer. And they're totally stoked about buying investment properties first before they own a home themselves. They get to a certain age and doing their research, they hear about all the big baller billionaires who have enough money to buy their own rockets and shoot themselves into space. All And they find out when they're reading that all these rich folks, all those big bazillionaires out there, and some of just the regular old rich people, most of them, their average portfolio shows 30% is invested in some kind of real estate. So they figure, hey, you know, wealthy people, they make money in real estate. So I want to do that. So I want to start soon. I get it. These buyers, they call me and they're thinking about buying property for the first time in their lives. So they do the research. They listen to a podcast on gaining wealth or they read an article or two or they have a friend that killed it with a rental property and they decide they want to emulate that or their financial advisor or an entrepreneur uncle told them that they're going to get killed on taxes because they don't own property. So they decide it's a great time for them to buy. Totally get it. Totally agree. So then I get the call and they figure out, you know what? It's going to be cheaper for me to just buy an investment property first. So I'll just go ahead and do that. And these potential buyers sometimes ask me how to do that before they've actually got a home for themselves. I've got one quick take on that. There are some successful entrepreneurs out there that have classes and seminars and techniques or just ideas, and they preach not to buy your own home. And if you're following that, cool. But I just want to make sure you understand that whole big picture concept. 
Because some of these things that these entrepreneurs are saying out there, I totally agree with. It makes great sense. If you're trying to build something, there are different ways that you can do it. Some people say pay off your whole house right away. Some people say always keep a mortgage because it's a leveraged investment. So some of these people who preach not to buy your own home first, but just to rent, you have to get the whole picture. Because if you listen close, they're saying that you don't buy a house, but what you should be doing is living poor. You should rent dirt cheap and use all the extra monthly cash that you have to fund your investments or more often your own entrepreneurial ventures. See, that makes sense. If you've done the research and you realize that the capital that is you have that you can keep every month, it's better spent building whatever it is that you want to build that will eventually become a successful money stream for you. All you need is that upfront capital and you can get more of that by renting super cheap and that'll help fund your idea faster and get you to that wealthier place later on. That's a good plan. You know, like I said, though, make sure that you understand the entire rest of that story and that recommendation. It's a big choice. It's a big life change. Now, house hacking, that has a little bit of some choices too, but let me talk to you about if you decide to buy an investment property first before you buy your own home. This is a big choice for people that they're serious. They hustle. They got three jobs and they live at home for free or they're in a two-bedroom apartment with eight other people eating whatever's on sale at Costco. And in the wee hours of the night, they're staying up after their three jobs, creating all that exciting stuff, whatever that thing is that's going to eventually pay off. They accept this sacrifice. If you got the hustle, go for it. But if you want to invite an investment property before you buy your own place, check yourself and check your numbers. If you're living comfortably and you're paying a normal rent and you want to stay there, and you know that's what you want to continue to do, usually the numbers favor buying your own home first and having that asset be the beginning of building your financial security and your wealth. It's an asset to live in that puts your monthly rent payment towards a historically appreciating asset. Instead of buying an investment property first while you're still paying rent for your own roof. Okay, so don't hate. It's just math. And I'm going to say it and it's going to sound pretty lousy, but look, I just didn't start reading about this last month. I have been following this for a long time. I had my big ideas in 2003. That's when I started reading books and figuring this out and buying all my investment property. So, I can tell you from experience and things went well and things went not so well for me. And then I ended up doing doing this and teaching people. But the one thing I've seen in my own trials and tribulations, as well as successes and my client successes is if you don't own a property, don't be fooled and lured into the idea of a $300 a month positive cash flow on an investment property when you're still paying $1,400 a month in your own rent that doesn't improve your net worth in any way. Okay, on to the house hack idea, which is different from what I was talking about. That's buying the traditional investment property. A house hack is something that you live in. And the first house hack is simple, sort of, okay? But there's still that lifestyle choice that you need to accept. Okay, so you go out and you get approved for your max loan approval. And you buy a home at that price and that monthly payment. And then what you do is you live below your means by renting part of that house and saving more money every month. 
Okay, so you're looking to buy a house and you've got your income and your debt and you submit everything to your mortgage broker and the bank tells you they're willing to loan you $300,000 with 5% down. That's for a full PITI, say it with me, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. Pity. I pity the fool. Old man reference. Okay, so $300,000 down, a $300,000 home, 5% down, your full PITI payment, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. Let's say that's $1,600 a month. Rad. Okay, that means you're approved for that. So most likely you're going to be able to afford that a payment, that payment, and it's probably right there in your comfort zone. But let's say that that $300,000 and that $1,600 a month payment, what if it just buys you a condo in your town and you really had your heart set on a single family home with a pool? Well, then you go and look those up and realize, dang, those are $400,000 right now. And with our income and our debt, we're just not approved for that. Well, what do you do? Well, Suppose you can't stomach the idea of roommates. So you look at the concept of saving up while you keep paying your rent. Now, your partner says that they think that's counterproductive and you're tossing money away, you know, renting while you're trying to save up. And so you say, well, we can buckle down on sacrifice by living in a tiny apartment with two other roommates and pay, you know, just 400 bucks a month. And then we can save up to get a bigger down payment. And then your partner points out to you, okay, but then we still have roommates And unless our income changes drastically over the next year, we'll maybe be able to save what, maybe $1,000 a month with that low rent. And we still have roommates and we're in a cramped space. So one year later, we'll have an extra $12,000 to put down, but our income is going to be the same. So even with an extra $12,000, we're still only going to be approved for $300,000, $310,000. The only difference is we've got a little bit more to put down. So our payment might be $50 less. Now, at this point, You either yell at your partner, why don't you use that stupid mathematics degree to go get a better job so we can afford a better house? What, you think you're better than me? Okay, so that happens. You guys split up and you end up living in a studio apartment with two roommates anyway. Or you can go back, think about the idea of buying a three-bedroom condo that you and your partner can afford together, admit that maybe they're right about something that can be really hard. But if you do that, then you you go ahead, you buy that place, you get a roommate, you save up for the next purchase that you have, that bigger single family home with a pool while you're gaining equity in an asset that you own. And you don't have to pay the full 1600 bucks a month. You just have to deal with a roommate. There you go. Bam! House hack. It's not for everybody, but it's an idea not used enough in my opinion. There are a lot of people out there that I know have a decent job in their 20s and they could really take advantage of this, but they don't know it's possible. I got to tell you, there's a place I used to hang out at in my 20s and those four different dudes rotated in and out of there. If one of them just figured out how to buy a place that he could rent to all my idiot friends, they'd be king of the castle. So maybe you can afford $4,000 a month based on your salary, but you really only want to pay $3,000 a month so you can YOLO and not have FOMO. Well, instead of having some $3,000 a month swanky one bedroom apartment for years while you're thinking about what, you know, all your plans to make sure you can buy someday, what about buying someplace and letting your friends live with you and pay a big chunk of the rent? 
Roommates offset the mortgage. You are going to be getting an appreciating asset. You get the tax benefits. And if you can stand your friends, you get a few of them to come in. Now your portion's really low and you can save while you own. All right, you want more? You got it. Here's another house hack idea. Same concept, but get a co-signer to come on board. Now you can get a higher approval and you can get a bigger place. So maybe you can be more comfortable with those roommates. Now, I know this is not practical for everyone. Not everyone's got someone that can co-sign. But for those of you who might have that option or maybe think, well, I'm never going to ask. You should know about this. Now, if you get a co-signer to help you on the purchase of your first home, you can get a bigger place that might be the kind of place you'd be comfortable in having roommates. And then you get the benefit of living in a better place first instead of a starter home. Okay. Now, the idea sounds great and the concept, you know, it sounds wonderful, but how do you do it? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk you through exactly how I helped someone else do this and exactly how you can do this. Because I think personally, this is something that should be taken advantage of a lot more. And realtors just don't take the time to sit down with their clients and talk to them about it. I've already talked to you about how I believe realtors should do a lot more of talking to children who are fortunate enough to be in a situation where their parents potentially someday are going to have some kind of inheritance for them. I know so many parents that because they're old school, they don't think buying their kids first place makes sense. They want the kids to figure it out on their own and buy their first house. Meanwhile, later on, they're planning on giving them an inheritance that would have been a fantastic down payment today. I don't get if you're gonna give someone money someday, why not give it to them 50 years earlier so the growth can grow out of it and no one throws away rent for 10 years because people don't just come out and start and buy a home at 22 like our parents or our grandparents did. Okay, so this is the step-by-step how to ask someone to help you co-sign. Don't stress about writing this down. I'm seriously advising you right now and you can go to howtobuyahome.com and print out the transcript of this episode and you can follow this exact step-by-step exactly this is the best chance you'll have of pulling this off if you're going to ask someone to co-sign for you if you're lucky enough to have someone follow these steps exactly okay step one get yourself a local unicorn realtor If you don't know what a unicorn realtor is, listen to other episodes, okay? And get your local unicorn realtor to get you a local unicorn broker. That's step one. Step two, apply for a loan to buy your own home, all on your own, without the cosigner. Find out what you qualify for on your own. Step three, get those numbers on paper or put them in a file, electronic file, whatever. Get the down payment, the purchase price, and your monthly payment on that price. Go old school, print it out, save it, whatever you want to do. Step four, go back to the Unicorn Realtor to give you all the sold homes in your area for that price. Take the pictures of those homes, something that shows what those homes look like and what they could be. Print out those pictures or save those pictures to a file. Step five, Get your unicorn realtor to get you a list of more expensive homes, bigger homes that 
you could purchase that home and, and rent a room and then figure out what the rent might be. So for this example, let's just say it's, it's 600 bucks. Your number could be totally different. Now, with today's rates, that 600 bucks paid, if, if you got that rent and you paid it towards a larger mortgage, the mortgage that your co-signers would help you get, you could pay for about $115,000 more home. Now, if you qualified for that, you could do it on your own and have that guy come in or gal come in and pay you, but you need the co-signer. So have the unicorn get a list of more expensive homes where you could rent a room, figure out how much rent you could get for it, and then that rent, have your unicorn add that to the price of your approval to a new approval and find homes that fit that. Step six, ask your realtor or mortgage broker to help you come up with that rent number. If you don't know how much your friends would pay, and most importantly, how much more in the home purchase that you're gonna need. Okay, then in step seven, print out all those homes. In my example, they were $115,000 more, but whatever your number is, whatever the more qualified home prices are with that rent, print out those homes with the pictures. Now, step eight, get the lender to show what the monthly payment would be on those homes. It should be the amount that you currently qualified first on your own, plus, in my example, it was $600 rent. But whatever your number is, it should be your original approval that you had, plus now the rent number. That should be the new mortgage payment. Get that, print it up, stick it in file. Step nine, now this is an important one. Gather up the information on your potential roommates. I'm serious about this. Like show their rental history or show their monthly income and expenses. Basically just show that your roommate you're talking about is not sketchy and you know, semi-guarantee the 600 bucks a month that you're gonna tell your co-signer is coming in. You wanna make sure that that looks legit. And then step 10, take all that information, put it in a PowerPoint or a pretty binder and take it to your co-signer with your request. A little extra credit for you, step 11, I suggest even showing a three to seven year budget and plan on how you eventually wanna put yourself in a position to take over the full payment with the roommate, either budgeting so you can afford it or increases in income, whatever it is that you have, and so that you could eventually buy out your co-signer or just simply remove them from the loan. Ba-ba-bam, that is a proper house hack. And the really cool thing is if the person that you're asking to co-sign, let's say that you run the numbers and, and maybe they just can't help you co-sign. Maybe they've got their money tied up and other things, you know, maybe they're not approved for it. Well, lots of times, if you end up showing them this much time, effort, and thought put into your planning, well, who knows? They might offer to help out in other ways. I've had people work this plan and they go, we're not going to sign for you, but we'll give you money for a down payment. Or we will give you that early inheritance like I talked about. Or maybe they'll say, I'll tell you what, as soon as you take the laundry off of it, you can have the pool table. All right. If the last five minutes of numbers and concepts was too much for you and you feel like your head's going to explode, don't worry about it. No stress. Doesn't mean you have to comprehend everything the very first time you heard it. And you know what? Who knows? Maybe this isn't right for everyone. Maybe you just heard about this. You thought it was a cool idea, but maybe it's not good for you. Or maybe you heard this and you got a light bulb in your brain. Rad. 
But remember, that light bulb is just step one. So hit the rewind, listen again. Or like I said, you can go to howtobuyahome.com and check out this episode, read it, highlight it until all those numbers make sense. There are plenty of great ideas out there that you might never heard of, but none of them actually work until you actually fully understand it. Remember, gang, I'm totally with you. The only thing I'm trying to sell you on is to sell you in the, your own belief in yourself and the fact that you have options. I've seen far too many people, including myself, rent for far too long and they end up missing out big time. You could be starting the road to financial security, you know, so much sooner than a lot of people do. You can still live your own life. You can do your thing while you're also, you know, paying a mortgage and building a sensible financial base for yourself. You can do that all at the same time. Now, bear in mind, when it comes to having roommates and house hacking and having people live with you, I don't know you and and nor do I judge you. Don't care at all. I don't know what your potential roommates or your crazy hippie commune lifestyle. I don't know what any of that's going to be. You do you, man. Rock on. But remember, you got to make sure that it coincides with city zoning laws. I mean, (laughs) you could have a home in your area that totally allows people to live in garages. That's bitching. So you can stick all your weird friends you want in there. Knock yourself out. You can put tents in your backyard and make people pay you camping fees like a campground. I don't care. You can buy a home, qualify for it, get it, put a big circular bed right in the middle of the living room and rent nights to come hang out with you and swing and put that on Craigslist. It's another form of income. Why not, right? House hacking can be whatever you want it to be as long as you're not breaking any community or city or county laws or ordinances. Speaking of that, I've got something that some of my buyers learned the hard way. If you're one of those people with Airbnb dreams, I know a lot of people do this and they make a lot of money that way and that's awesome. But if you're thinking you're going to make bags of money by buying a home in this year or next year, and then later on, you're going to rent it out and just make Googles and Googles of money. Remember, the laws are are really changing on this. There's nothing set. And what I have seen personally is the hotels are jumping in and lobbying with the cities and cracking down and changing these laws. They go to the city and they explain how much tax revenue that the city's missing out by letting individuals rent their homes instead of hotels. We're talking 10% tax on every hotel room, and that goes right to the city. And I know about this because I live near Disneyland, and the city of Anaheim got pretty, they got hit really hard by the hotels, and the Airbnb rules have changed a lot. Same thing's happening in LA and New York, and even by me at Laguna Beach, another tourist destination. So if you're going to Airbnb, Make sure you know the laws. Do not buy a home today thinking that you're going to be able to Airbnb it in five years exactly the same way that you can do it today. Okay, now we're going to discuss that second most common house hack I was talking about. This is something people ask me about all the time. And actually, episode 37, I talked with one of you listeners out there who ended up buying his first home as a multi-unit place. So if you're going to be buying a duplex, a triplex, or a fourplex Those are multi-unit places, and you live in one of the units while you rent the remaining units. Sounds like a great way to build equity and start your dream of becoming a real estate tycoon. You know, or some folks 
like it as a way to buy and rent the other part of the place, the other units or unit to their friends and family. A lot of times we, people do this as a family compound style. All these are wonderful ideas and they can be done. The most important thing to keep in mind if you're a first time buyer is that this path is not the traditional path of a first time home buyer. So a mindset change is crucial right from the start. Here, let me put it this way. If you're getting married and you go to a venue that does weddings regularly, a whole bunch of stuff is going to be predetermined and easy and smooth and the event, they'll understand how it works. But if you go to a restaurant that doesn't do weddings and you ask them to use the outdoor patio for the ceremony and the banquet room for the reception, can it be done? Totally. But there's going to be a lot of things that won't be getting planned in a normal fashion and will take some extra work because this is not your normal venue. Look, I love this idea. I did a podcast on it. I said it's great. I'm not trying to discourage anyone, but be sure that you or all parties involved, whoever's being part of this purchase, that everybody realizes that this is more of an investment. Okay? It's not that real life fulfillment of the dream of owning your own home and going out and buying the picket fence. This is buying an investment. So you got to change your mindset. The style of the home, it's going to be totally different. The money needed and the type of loan that you can get, that's going to be totally different. And being a landlord and an owner is way different than being just an owner. If you and all parties are down with this, all right, let's talk about the buying of the property. First, you got to understand you're not buying from the family that raised their family in this house. So all that personal connection stuff, gone out the window. All right. This seller maybe never even lived in this property. You are buying from an investor who's only been looking at this property on a spreadsheet. That's the only way they see it. Zero emotion. So that's how you got to see the other side. Now, I'm going to tell you to look at yourself. Ooh, I'm getting deep. Yeah, you are no longer a cute, excited first-time homebuyer. You are now only an investor. Buying a property from another investor with investor rules, communication, and negotiation. So right now, forget every HGTV show that you've ever watched in your life. I'm talking all of it. Especially when you see the couple that are deciding between the rest of country home and with the longer commute for Joe or the cozy colonial right near public transportation that's perfect for Jill. Forget it. What's the major differences between an investor buyer which you're going to be if you decide to go this route and everything else that I talk about on all the other podcasts for a standard first time buyers buying a single property for themselves to live in. First and foremost, down payment, loan and interest rates. They're all different. All of these are going to be, well, the down payment and the interest rates are going to be higher and the loan is going to be probably a different product than you could use when you're buying just your own owner-occupied property. Remember, you're buying like an investor. Investors don't get government assistance programs. The assistance in assistance programs is to help regular people buy a home, not to assist landlords build wealth. So yeah, you can still use a low down payment. I just had some folks, I'm gonna do another podcast on them later on. They bought a two-unit property with an FHA loan. Now, it was really hard because of that, and I'll get into that in the other podcast. But one thing you have to realize is you might be able to use some of those lower 
down payment or lower credit score loan products. But the way it works out when you find out, when the bank finds out that you're going to be renting part of it, the rates are going to be higher. The requirements might change on the amount of debt that you can have. And the minimum credit scores, they're going to be higher than if you're just buying an owner-occupied place. That's a place that you just live in. So the best way to buy a home with low money down and a lower credit score and to get the best interest rate, that's buying an owner-occupied regular place using an FHA or a VA loan if you're in the military or a veteran. But that's the best way, and it's reserved for owner-occupied buyers, ones that you live in. You are talking about this house hack. That's a non-owner-occupied portion of the property. So everything flips to investor minimums. The guidelines, I can't tell you what they are because they change all the time. Even though I just, you know, I'm recording this right now. I don't know if by the time you listen to this in a week, what the down payment minimums are going to be because they change constantly. Could be 10% down, could be 20, could be 30. That's going to depend on what a mortgage broker tells you based on one, the time that you ask them, but also it's going to depend on your debt and your income. Now, remember, this could all change. The, the number one rule in real, in real estate is the rules always change. The banks change their guidelines depending on how much they want to lend or how risky they, they think it is. And that depends on the global economy. And that changes all the time. So once again, I don't give a crap how your dad or your uncle or your neighbor bought a house 10 years ago. Ever. I never care about that. And it is not because I'm a jerk and think that the people in your life are stupid. It's just, that it's different. So God bless them. Thank you very much. Doesn't matter. And you shouldn't care what happened 10 years ago either. Heck, you shouldn't care what happened 10 weeks ago. All right, your down payment's different. So it might be that the debt to income changes things as well. You might need a different debt to income ratio. And even with a different down payment, maybe you need a different credit score. There's so many variables. There's no stock answer. You and your unicorn mortgage broker have to run the application just like you're an investor. There are some other things that are different when you're buying like an investor. And that, of course, is tenants. Tenants, that's all I'm going to say. Because unless you know everything about lease contracts and landlord-tenant laws, it's not your realtor's job to know that. So you got to figure it out because your realtor is going to help you buy the property. They don't help you run the property or be a landlord. So you either need to know everything about it or have an eviction or tenant lawyer. You know, unless you buy a vacant property. And if you do that, then you're probably going to rent to your friends and family. Although <laughs> I hear from my real estate attorney friends that almost half of the cases that they have on their desk are between friends and family. Just saying. Look, I'm not trying to discourage you guys out there who are doing the house act. That doesn't make any sense. I'm trying to encourage those of you who this might be something exciting for you to do and you just didn't know about it or you didn't know you could. It's the same way that I try to encourage folks to stop renting and buy a house, just like you can build wealth faster when you stop paying rent when you buy in a standard owner-occupied sale. Well, you can build it even faster if you understand all the gobbledygook that I'm talking about and you can position yourself for a house hack. Again, episode 37, listen to Kyle. He bought not just one house hack, two. 
two homes, his first home and his second home all in the first year. It can work. I'm just trying to make sure that you see all these concepts eyed wide open. I, what are you, a cyclops? Eyes wide open. Okay, more with the duplex and multi-unit property house hack. Once again, forget everything you ever seen on HGTV when it comes to now the process of buying. Once you get approved and you're approved as an investor, now the process of buying, looking at the home, putting in the offer, negotiating the offer, closing the transaction, that's all different too. Nothing like Joe and Jill, whoever those examples were I made up earlier. For instance, looking at the property, you might not even be able to see it. Around where I am in Southern California, there's lots of times there are tenants in those properties because they are investments and they call them a drive-by only. So sometimes the only way you can see the inside of the house is you drive by it. Then you put an offer in on the house based on, you know, maybe the two pictures they have online, what you found on Google satellite and what you see how other homes are going for and renting for in that area. So you put in an offer and then you pay out of your pocket for an inspector to meet you at the home for the very first time that you can see it. So you've negotiated the home, paid the inspector, now you go inside and the place could be crap-a-palooza. I have no idea. So then you start renegotiating the price based on what you and your inspector find. It's serious investor style buying. And sometimes, okay, if they are showing the home before you write an offer, oftentimes the seller's out of state and you have to hope the tenants are cooperative to let you in the house. So imagine how happy the tenants are to show the home to the person that wants to buy the house, possibly to kick them out or raise their rent. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't always go as smoothly as you would like it to. And figuring out what your deal is, once you go through all of this and you figure it out, now you got to figure out if the numbers work for you, what they call penciling out in the investment world. That's a lot of extra work too. You and your realtor are going to be discussing things like cap rates, rental rates, lease terms, cash flow, and a whole bunch of other terms that happen in your area that might not be specific to my experience and what I've done with investors in my area. That's why I say to you, I'm a, just a guideline. This podcast is a guideline. You need true experienced local unicorn who wants to help a first-time buyer see if this is a good, viable plan. A lot of times they're just talking to big investors about doing this. But if they want to help a good first-time buyer go through this, a good realtor is going to walk you through it. They're going to see if it fits your overall goals because this is a really a bigger puzzle piece and a much bigger puzzle. And if it's true and it works out and you find a good unicorn who's going to want to do this for you, they're going to be a huge advocate for you because in the most basic terms, you're going to be a returning customer. I love working with investors and people who want to take this whole big picture stuff because I know you're going to be buying and selling property for years and years and years. Just as much as I love putting someone in their forever house, they're going to stay forever. Cool. That's great. Because that person's going to refer me to other people. But this person is going to be buying more and more and more. So one of the other things about buying a house like this, house hacking into a duplex or multi-unit, in my area, you should expect almost no repairs. In fact, expect no repairs. Because you're not buying a home that's going to tweak up so it gets to the right market value. You're buying an asset. And that asset is the price of whatever the market value is. And the landlord, the owner at the time, they don't care. They're not going to work with you and figure out 
how much to do this and how much to do that. They're not going to get their hand in. They expect that you're buying an asset. They expect that you have the overarching landlord knowledge and that if you see the house is needs a roof replacement, he's like, yeah, I know. That's why I priced it here because he expects that you understand all the minutiae of this and you understand that the home value of that property is minus what it would cost to put a roof on. They're not going to spend anything. Remember, you're buying from an investor. They're not going to put a dime into the property unless they get a dollar return. So if you want to buy a duplex or a multi-unit property, now at least you know it's going to be different, right? But hey, if you never bought a home before, you're not even going to notice the difference. What do you know? Go for it. Now that you know what it's going to take, jump on in. So those are the two most common house hacks. And you know what? Maybe you're young enough or, or tolerant enough to live with roomies. And maybe you want to try the first one. You want to try to buy at your max or get a co-signer for an even higher priced house hack. Maybe you're savvy enough to go for the multi-unit place and become a small property landlord with a few units. Or maybe all this made you realize that, you know what? You're just going to buy a house with a, a little extra room in the back. And if I feel like it and we want to skip a month's mortgage, we'll charge our, our friends or my stupid sister or stupid brother to come over and crash there every once in a while. Till we decide to turn that room into an office, a, a nursery, or just a big old closet for my sneakers cool. Now you know. Now you have your options. Knowing is way more than half the battle in buying your first place. All right, that's it for today. Subscribe, review the show, hit me up on howtobuyahome.com or Instagram at David Sedoni. Especially if you're looking for a unicorn in your area, don't wait. You don't need a unicorn at the minute that you're ready to buy. You need a unicorn now to help you plan and get all the right moves together to help you plan to buy next year or the year after that. This podcast is for you. It's to help you flourish. So help me out. Review it. Text it to your friends. You know, look, if you don't text it to your friends right now, you're going to follow all this, buy a house, be more financially secure than them. And then when you guys go out later, you're going to have to pick up the tab because they're all still going to be renting, throwing their money away with no idea where they're going to have their finances in the future. For reals though, gang, subscribe, share, and I'm going to keep coming at you with more stuff to help you realize your dreams. You're listening. You're already ahead of the game. So let's help others share it to them, help people know what they don't know. And that way I can keep pounding this into everyone's head. You can do this.